0: Hello and welcome back to the Malouli Asset Podcast. This is episode 420, the Elon Musk episode. I'm your host, Casey Malouli. We've got Tom and Brendan here joining me this week, guys. Thanks for hopping on. So we've had a busy week in terms of market news with the CPI, the November CPI report, which is the inflation reading, which I feel like we've talked about every single one because they've been a, a big talking point here this year. And so that came out on Tuesday. And then yesterday was Wednesday. We got the, the Federal Reserve had their December meeting and announced that they are raising interest rates by 50 basis points. Um, that was the expected outcome. But markets are reacting negatively today. But this has been a trend that we've seen so far in 2022 Tom do you want to talk a little bit about that
1: so the uh, Fed started raising rates in March uh, with and people forget their, their first interest rate hike was a quarter point
0: just dipping a toe in the water
1: <laughs> uh, compared to what they did the, the, the rest of the year and then in May they came back with a half a, uh, a half a point increase. And then uh, 75 basis points in June, July, September, November, and now in December they've made a 50 basis point increase. And so short-term rates have gone in the span of nine months, almost to the day. Short-term interest rates have gone from zero percent to the range between four and a quarter and four and a half percent. So. The first thing I want to say before we get into any more is in 40 years, the market has never seen 400 basis points of increases in short-term interest rates from the Fed. There were several years like this in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, but nothing in the last 40 years.
2: We're also hiking from different, different levels in the 70s and 80s. and yes. People were more used to the rates that we're at now. So I think raising that much matters, but I think it also matters where you're starting from. Where, we've, we've dramatically changed the environment now, whereas then it was restrictive, but uh, you know you were also starting from a, a different beginning point that made, made it a little easier to swallow, perhaps.
1: So I, I think since 2008... Wall Street, the economy, whoever you want to throw into this bucket has gotten used to sugar. We're addicted to it uh, in in having 0% or very low interest rates. The Fed, uh, Powell started raising rates in 2018. And uh, well, actually, Yellen started doing it. uh, And then Powell uh, continued to do it. And Trump had a temper tantrum and he backed off. In January of 19 and uh, 19, 20, 21, other than the, you know, the short term freak out from COVID in February of 2020, uh, the market had been pretty good.
0: And so I think in- inflation staying low throughout that time period allowed them to to keep doing what they were doing. Yeah. And now COVID hit the stimulus all of that kind of snowballed into the highest inflation readings we've seen in 40 years. Right.
1: It's funny that the after the CPI came out on Tuesday of this week, people started using the word transitory again with inflation. Interesting. How it, yeah how it,
2: it turns out that it may actually have been. It just depends on what you took transitory to mean. Some people took it to mean like a couple weeks or something. And it turns out it might have been like a year long burp after all the stimulus and supply chain stuff and war didn't help that either. But yeah, a lot of those things are coming down. It seems like the market's more reacting to some of the comments the Fed made yesterday about
0: the economy next year and what they are and aren't comfortable with seeing in things like
2: the employment market. Because I, I think everybody has come around to the idea that we have seen peak inflation for now. We're moving past that. We're going to see that continue to decelerate into 23, like we've been saying, I think, for the majority of this year. Uh, but now the other, the other side of that is if the Fed's going to continue being restrictive, uh, they're still talking tough because they don't want us to go the other direction just yet. Now everybody's worried about them taking it too far right. and, and the risk of recession. I, right. I think, let me speak on behalf of the entire stock market and say I think that's what everybody's worried about in the last couple of days now. Yeah,
1: yeah, I, I, I definitely agree. I, it, I think the disconnect that we're seeing in the market yesterday afternoon and again today is that people are starting to do the math and see that, The economy isn't forecasted to grow that much in 2023. Uh, And inflation is, it appears to be trending down, but the Fed is still digging in their heels saying we're going to continue to to raise short-term rates until we get inflation down to 2%. And I think that's really where the rubber meets the road in the sense that uh, if inflation is coming down and the economy is slowing down, why would the Fed continue to raise rates? I saw somebody the point.
2: tweet something yesterday. that was funny, but I think there was like a grain of truth to it too. But uh, I think the Fed needs to keep talking the way that they are, so that we don't continue seeing like rocket ship emojis on Twitter. Just, just, just meaning like they know that the second they say that they're not hiking anymore. All the dumb stuff that was happening in 2021 is just going to take off again, and we can't have that. Yeah. I,
1: I I completely agree, and they have to continue talking their book until they get to a point where this where they say uh, we're we're done either we're done raising rates or we're going to watch things. I I don't see them we lowering just,
2: rates. Well, but we got to trust. I think the fear is that they're not going to pay attention to the unemployment rate getting to like. Any, any degree of unemployment rising, it, obviously it sounds like they might be comfortable with a little bit of that, but I think we need to take them at their word that if something serious happens with the economy in terms of unemployment spiking or something else breaking, that they're going to do what they have done in the past and at least pause and potentially cut. And I don't think they're in a tough spot because they can't actually say, yeah, we're going to do that because then it's going to cause the effect that I just said in terms of people will act today on that the market's going to go nuts again and their primary tool is interest rates and as a secondary order of that the stock market and the wealth effect that that it can create so unfortunately causing what's happened this year in the market is like part of part of their mo because people do dumb stuff when they're making money in silly ways in the stock
0: market why would if unemployment stays where it is why would they cut rates?
1: I think this is the, the discussion that we're going to hear more and more in the first quarter that people are gonna start to realize a few things. One, that the economy didn't crash because interest rates went up and employment is still staying strong and people are continuing to spend money. And so we have an expanding economy, a growing economy. In spite of the Fed going from standing still at zero percent interest to right now they're at four and a quarter to four and a half percent on short-term interest rates, nowhere in any textbook does it say that we're going to be okay if the Fed raises over four hundred basis points in short-term lending rates. There's nothing. Everyone says that the economy should crash if that were to happen. And guess what? We're all here talking about it, and I think that's a sign that the U.S. consumer and the U.S. economy is very strong, and I don't really think there's a lot to worry about personally. Um, the Fed was able to do this, and we all lived.
0: I think so you just described a soft landing. <laughs> yes, that's
1: exactly And, you know, we've been saying that now for a year, that, you know, the, the Fed knows what they're doing. And they're going to, you know, some people are are making it out to be like they have to really, you know, stick a landing from 50,000 feet. I I don't necessarily think so. I think this economy can continue to grow. They don't have to drive the economy into a recession, off the road into a ditch to do what they need to do. And uh, they have now created 400 basis points of room For them to cut at some point in the future if they need to do that. I think we're going back to the way things used to be in the 80s and 90s. Where we have a slowly expanding economy. The Fed's got room to work. There's a a lot
2: out of ammo. They were out of ammo for a decade, and I got really tired of hearing that. Yeah, no, no. well, exactly. Like,
1: what's the Fed going to do? The Fed,
2: yeah, you know, rates short-term are rates are zero. at zero.
1: How can they? How can they they're cut rates or mortgage or they're provide liquidity?
2: We saw that they can do whatever they want. So they're they're never actually out of ammo, but no. it definitely helps to have some interest rate cushion. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Uh, but also, like we we just saw a pretty unprecedented rate hike. To use the word that everybody's tired of the last couple of years, we saw an unprecedented rate hike over the last 12 months, but prior to that, we saw a pretty unprecedented amount of stimulus and then all this inflation in between. And I think that it will be interesting in the future with the benefit of hindsight to look back and be like, hey, we got some really crazy readings in both directions for a period of two or three years, Uh, but then like maybe the trend resumes after that and it's just like, wow, that was really noisy and we worried about it a lot, but it wasn't actually as big a deal as people were making it out to be in the moment. I think that's
1: gonna be a pretty good theme. Yeah. Uh, as we move further away from what's happening right now, and Brendan and you and I have talked about this, it's, it's not precise, but if you, you know, look at your investment account, it's very possible that 20, what's happened in 2022 has canceled out the gains that you saw in 2021. And so it's not like we're being set back a decade by what's happened this year with investments, we're really just kind of canceling out the last two years. And we're right back where we were, end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Again, well, not as precise.
2: As, well, and also as long as you weren't doing really dumb stuff. Which? None of our clients were. Yes. That's our job. Yeah. Because so, those things...
1: They can be fatal.
2: Well, yeah. uh, you know, just looking at things like crypto and SPACs yeah. and dumb stuff, I mean, those, those are down 80% or whatever, and they should be. And that was the, the point of the Fed needing to talk tough is so that the idiots with their rocket ships to the moon don't come back because well, that was all very dumb and we don't it, need to see it again. It yeah.
1: does wring the excess out of the market and things like SPACs and crypto and uh, other meme stocks needed to be put back in into their proper alignment or proper perspective. It it could be a piece of someone's investment portfolio, but it should represent a small piece.
2: Yeah, you probably should just not. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree. If if you absolutely have to, of course, then yeah. uh, then right size it.
0: I think that is that has been one of the themes of 2022 is that it has felt worse than it is or I mean, where we stand today, the S&P 500's down 18 right at points in time it was down I mean, if we
1: recorded this yesterday it would have been
0: down 15 right.
1: or or so
0: but like you said it was an unprecedented interest rate hike of a magnitude that we've never seen before and the S&P 500 took a 15 to 20% haircut i think that is I don't want to say... It
2: would have been on the low range of expectations if you told people coming into the year what was going to happen.
1: Yeah, right. And then, you know, the the flip side of this is if we go into a severe recession, historically, we've seen markets get hit a lot harder than that. So um, we've sustained and we live to fight another day.
0: So, kind of wanted to shift gears here a little bit and talk about some of these articles from Market Watch, and this one specifically. We'll link up to this one in the show notes. Yep. Basically, the the theme of the article was an older couple is getting ready to retire, and the wife wants to. We don't know if this is a real situation or not, but. Um, the wife wants to work with an advisor because their IRA is down 30% and the husband doesn't trust advisors and thinks that they're all just trying to make money and that he just has a not good idea of what an investment advisor can do for them or probably just has that negative connotation in, in his head about what, a, what an investment advisor is. So the question was, it was kind of looking for advice and the question was, what should, what should the wife do? Try and ed- educate herself. She seems a little confused about what to do. So how can she get her husband to work with an advisor or where should they take things? Yeah. It would
2: be very difficult to do uh, retirement planning, assuming that's, that's what they want, when only factoring in half of the stuff. Because, I mean, you know, like hypothetically, you know, somebody comes to us, they have accounts in their name, like that's, that's their money to do with. However, when it's a married couple, their expenses are probably intertwined to some degree, maybe even their savings are intertwined to some degree. And so like, you're, you're going to have to have buy-in from both parties in a relationship. And it's probably going to be difficult if one of them doesn't see the value in working with an advisor. I mean, just speaking in terms of our process, I mean, we're always happy to meet with people and do what we call a fit meeting. And, and maybe during that we'd be able to uh, uh, answer some questions for the skeptical party in, in the relationship and, and not make them feel comfortable working with an advisor after we explain to them what we can do, how we do it, how we're paid, all of those things. I mean, these, that's, that's why we have a fit meeting. But, you know, if, if you do all of those things and there's a clear understanding and somebody just doesn't want to work with an advisor, then that's kind of like a internal marital issue that they have to work through, I think.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's also, uh, you know, my ears get pointy when I see absolutes, when they say things like, all financial advisors are ripoffs. Maybe their experience in the past was with someone who sold them products. Or maybe it was someone who didn't really do a deep dive into their situation. Or maybe this is just something that he's kind of absorbed as... Uh, an, a a reputational thing that he's heard over the years that uh, the, the, it's you know these people are all ripoffs.
0: Yeah, just m- avoid them. Maybe he's had a bad experience in the past.
2: Something that's something we usually like to ask people when they come to us, right? Uh, for a fit meeting is, you know, what what have you been doing up until this point? What has worked for you? What hasn't? If there was another relationship with an advisor what went wrong there in terms of it not working out and putting you here with us today um and sometimes those are fixable things that that are related to the other party being a bad actor and sometimes they're just things that are going to be a roadblock to that person working with anybody in in our line of work and and that's all stuff that you got to flush out beforehand You nobody i don't think anybody in our line of work wants to like Force somebody into a relationship not when possible. they're when they're a reluctant participant—that just sounds like, you know, problem waiting to happen. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah. why would you sign up for something like that? And it it may very well be that you know maybe we're not the right person uh, or the right party for uh, someone like <clears throat> someone like this. But maybe an hourly financial planner or someone who does a pro- who does project based work. Or maybe, you know, maybe they need to be with someone who does sell them a product. I don't know. Uh, it, but I think the, <clears throat> the takeaway that I had was that to say all financial advisors are ripoff is not fair because there's a lot of different uh, ways to run a financial advisory practice under that umbrella. Tough to say that universally.
0: Yeah, agreed. It, what a real what it really boils down to would be getting obviously the husband and the wife in the room and then just laying out expectations about what it's going to be like to work with an advisor and to, to you know come on board. what can they expect in terms of investing, financial planning, retirement planning, um, communication moving forward, how that all works, and kind of hear from them about about what they want the wife wrote in and said her IRA is down 30% this year in 2022. And that kind of seems like it was the trigger for her to get some outside help. Maybe the husband's day trading on FTX or whatever. I don't know. But... Yeah, I think it's just about communicating the advisor's value and seeing if, if their um, expectations line up and then just taking things from there. So one of the other articles that we had to talk about was from uh, Carl Richards, who writes over on his website, Behavior Gap. Uh, we have his one of his drawings in our conference room. And his the point of, of his uh, blog post was about how about how people need to figure out what their goals are for their money and I think maybe the husband and wife from the market watch article need to do that as well but he talks about how um, we basically just copy people and copy societal societal norms and we want what other people have, or we we want what we see people have on social media and, and stuff like that. And the purpose of having money and doing financial planning and investing your money is to do what you want to do. And Carl prompts the readers to, to go and figure that out. So is that something, you know, like how specific do we get with, with folks when, when talking about goals, or how do we incorporate that into our planning process, or, or what are your guys' thoughts on that?
2: It's definitely, I mean, the, the retirement equation usually just assumes that people want to continue living their lives as they do now, minus the paycheck. And how does that all work financially? But sometimes people have more changes that they desire aside from just the paycheck stopping. Maybe it's uh, you know relocating or or something like that. Or sometimes we solve that first part of the equation and help them understand that they're financially ready to, to retire. And then they get there and realize that they didn't actually think it through and that there's a lot of nothing. And they're trying to figure out what, what that next thing is because they hadn't considered the Non-financial aspects of, of moving on from something they did for thirty or forty years for a living. So um, there's there's a lot that goes into it, but uh, you know it's a lot of self-searching, I think, for people because it's not necessarily so, like I I can't tell you what to do with your time in retirement, yeah. but that's an important consideration.
0: It's it's ma- mainly just we're answering. You can do what you what you want to do fin- I can- f- financially.
1: And I think the, the problem is that a lot of people, not everyone, but a lot of people just don't know. They just don't know. I, you know, I don't want to read the whole article. It's short. But some of these things that, <clears throat> that Carl writes is so good. Um, from our youngest age, we learn to desire by seeing what our parents, our siblings, and our peers desire. Followed eventually by what people on social media desire. You know, all these people putting out their glamorous life on social media, it's not real. But a lot of people co-opt other people's goals because it's very hard to get clear on what we want. And I'm talking about as individuals, what not what Maluli Asset wants, but what we want. Um, and the, the line, I've heard this before, but man, it makes so much sense. There's an old saying that we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't want, to impress people we don't even like. It's
2: from Fight Club. Yeah. That's what, it's, that's what the quote is from.
1: Yeah. It's great. Yeah. And it's real.
0: It's a good quote.
1: It's the American dream.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it really makes you think about what's it all for? Kind of getting philosophical here, but, you know, what's, what's it all for and, and why are you doing what you're doing? I think that those answering those questions is difficult and you might not get it on the first try. You might try something and then find out that, oh, that's not it. And then try something else. Oh, that's not it.
2: It involves it, it can change off, over it time. It involves coming off of autopilot and, yeah. and thinking about what fulfills you, what makes you happy yeah. on a day to day.
1: It's and, a, uh, a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people to think deeply about.
0: Yeah. Especially heading into or freshly in retirement. Because there's a lot of time, new newfound time on, on your hands, and you don't have to do anything in terms of working, or you don't have to get a paycheck. Hopefully, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult thing, but I think it's it's really worthwhile to to do do that soul searching ahead of time and and start lining up your dollars to to serve whatever purpose you choose. So. I think that is a great place to wrap up this week's episode of, of the podcast. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. We know the our Jets' uh, good luck has officially worn off because Tim was on the podcast last week, and fortunately the Jets lost. We'll see. Big, big one this week. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Tim, I know. I know we'll you're speak. out there, man. He's
1: obvious by his absence.
0: Yeah. So, uh... Go Jets. Never thought I'd I'd be saying that. 2022, man, full of surprises. Thanks as always for listening. We'll be back with you next week. Tom Maluli is an investment advisor representative with Maluli Asset Management. All opinions expressed by Tom and his podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Maluli Asset Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only, And should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Clients of Maluli Asset Management may maintain positions in securities discussed in this podcast.